The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Wow, what a morning. You know, a preacher could not ask for a better setup to preach. You know what I mean? Is that true or not? Yeah, wow. But the other problem is, He's got like 250,000 watts of power behind his uh, sermon and preaching with the music. And then the announcements, they use two people. I mean, a preacher is doomed. We're just outclassed by all of the, all I've got is a voice and what? The Word of God. The Word of God preached. And so let's pray. Lord, be with us this morning. Help us to hear your word for us and to guide us. Uh, Lord, we know Graham has gone on to what seems to be greener pastures, but they're going to be tough pastures for him, Uh, hard work in a new setting. So we pray for him this morning and watch over him. And Lord, we are here. We thank you for providing this wonderful leadership with uh, Caleb and Richard and Katie and all of the volunteers and all the people who work so hard, Jill and uh, all of the support staff. We thank you for your provision here. This church is more than one person because, Lord, you are the head of this church. We thank you for that, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I need just a touch more light because my eyes are growing dim. The other day I was out with a group of people, and someone just called me, well, you're just a relic. So I'm going to bring my best relic for you this morning. I even got my Hawaiian shirt on, and this is my Highlands Hawaiian shirt. I only wear it for Highlands. Well, a couple of things. Um, it's very exciting to be able to set apart and authorize Katie and Richard to do ministry with you. Isn't that wonderful? And uh, they're going to be here. Uh, you can kind of view them as assistant pastors, though we can't really tell anyone else we're viewing them that way. But uh, they just are. They love you and care for you. They have great skills. They've been through some schooling and our lay leader training program, so it's just wonderful. And uh, the other thing I'd like to announce for you, some of you know already, but your steering committee has selected an interim pastor who will be starting on July 1. And it was really a problem for them because they had the two best interim pastor candidates west of the Rocky Mountains available, and it was hard to decide. But in the end, it became easy through the process this steering committee uh, went through. You have an amazing group of people on your steering committee. You need to pray for them. They're wonderful people. And so Lyle Schmidt will be showing up July 1. He's younger than me, (laughs) which is pretty easy. Uh, And he's a wonderful, highly skilled interim pastor. And you'll love him, his wife Peggy. They're just wonderful people. So welcome them as they come, and they'll be with you for uh, the months needed as uh, we go out searching for the next pastor of Highlands, and that'll be uh, exciting. Now, I know this is a Sunday just after Graham left, and you'll probably forget all of this, so we're videotaping it so you can play it back as you drive to San Luis to work. Not the videotape, but the audio. Okay, but you're going to be having a new pastor, And that reminds me of a a story, an old story, about uh, looking for a new pastor. There was um, an old Scottish church, and in the church, all of the the men wore kilts. You know, this is Highlands, Graham and Jamie were kilt wearers. So this is a Scottish church, and they all wore kilts. And they had just called a brand new minister, a brand new pastor. 
And uh, so they were, all the men were there in their dress kilts that day for the first sermon that the pastor ever preached. And so the pastor was up there preaching, and he was preaching a good, solid sermon. And he noticed that the one fellow at the front sitting there was starting to scowl and look really, really mad and angry. And so the pastor kind of ratcheted up a little bit more, tried to make his points with a little bit more Scottish gusto. And uh, the guy in the front pew just started to scowl more and more and more, looked really, really angry. And eventually he uh, got to a point where he, he was just worried. So he thought, I'm going to give it everything I've got. So he started to be very expressive and kind of pound on the pulp and really try to get it out there. And the, the Scottish man at the front just kind of pulled one of the pleats of his kilt open and pulled out a shotgun and put it down right there on the pew. And so the guy kind of finished. He said a real, real earnest prayer. And then he went out and he just talked to the man and said, well, hi there. I hope you like the sermon. And uh, the man says, oh, well, fella, it was okay. And don't worry, this shotgun's not for you. It's for the chairman of the pastor-seeking committee. So this is your task in the coming months. Rather than be loading up your shotguns, pray for your pastor-seeking committee, that they would find the person that God already knows is going to come here to Highlands and continue this dynamic and exciting ministry. Okay, enough of a setup. Now it's time to start to think about Jesus, because what? God is good? All the time. Uh, your piano is evidence of that, right? The piano was caught in a church fire. What does Highlands do with things that are burned and scalded and broken and busted? Highlands comes along and rebuilds the inside and makes some beautiful music again. That's why Highlands is, is here, and that's why Jesus came, to rebuild us from the inside out. We're going to take a look at Philippians chapter 1, verse 27 to 25 today. And so uh, let's uh, take time and take a look at that scripture. I think we have it up there. That's kind of long, isn't it? So I'll just kind of uh, power through it. But allow this word and a few of those words to come and, and touch your heart and touch your mind. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manny, manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then Paul is speaking here. Then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one person for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him. Since you are going through some struggle, you saw I had, now hear that I still have. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. And your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What a text to live into in the coming months. 
Isn't that a big text to live into? Well, let's start to just kind of work through some of this. I'm going to highlight some words. We'll talk about some uh, examples. And then we're going to end with just a commitment to try and stay close to Jesus and keep our lives balanced. The first thing that Paul talks about is live your manner of life worthy of the gospel. And this kind of sounds like Paul is trying to tell us to live a perfect life. How many of you are doing a perfect life job? Any of you got the perfect life down? I actually know a couple of you do, but you're so humble you won't raise your hand. So I just know how that is. But it sounds like it's a perfect life. But that's not what Paul is talking about. He's saying work hard. Uh, The gospel is made up of people who are working to live a life that has balance and that is working and is connected with Jesus Christ. So we'll explore it a bit. One of the words here is this word manner of life, which is the Greek word polychusis. If you think about it, polit, polit, polychusis is politics. What Paul is talking about here is not just your life in church, okay, not just looking good to the other Christians in the church. But it's really when you're outside the church and you're out working in the world and you're in your kind of your political and civic life, the life that you live in the city. A great song that uh, Caleb chose today, God is not finished with the city. The work of Highlands has barely begun. I mean, there's 20,000 people living around here. I'm thinking 10,000 of them still need to go to church. 10,000 of them are not saved yet. There's work to do, don't you think? There's a little bit of headroom left. There's some sheep out there lying around with their tays not wagging, and they're not wandering home to little Bo Peep. See, there's people who need the gospel, and that's why Highlands is here, plus our own discipleship. So in your civic life, live that life worthy of the gospel. Now, worthy is a Greek word, axios. And we get kind of the English word axiom from that. And in English, an axiom is something that is a kind of a big truth. Um, let's see. What would be a big truth? It's an axiom of driving that if you drive your car at 70 miles an hour into a bridge pier, that you will have a negative experience. So that would be an axiom. It's, it's, it's worthy of your attention, but it also has a core truth to it. Okay? So... Live your life in a manner that is worthy, but it's also true, and it has quality. In other words, the gospel is not some fleeting thing, some just kind of idea. The gospel is true. Jesus Christ is true. You can put your weight on Christ, and your life will be sustained and supported. Where things are imbalanced in your life, by putting your weight on Christ, you can begin to gain balance between the things that hit you through life and the challenge of life lived well. And so you live your life worthy of the gospel. In other words, you're looking at the gospel, you know it's true, and also just that basic thing worthy of. Uh, We want to kind of realize that the gospel is a standard to actually try to live up to. Uh, We won't get there. Uh, Some of us do better than others. But it's something to worthy to attain. And it's helpful for the city we live in. It's also helpful for our own personal lives. So that's worthy. All of us need to keep a balance in our lives. And the gospel of Christ keeps us in balance. The gospel of Christ is really about redemption. In Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. Uh, Any one of you ever... Well, don't raise your hand. Any one of you 
uh, never sin in your life. Let me just, the Virgin Mary is not here today. And um, so I guess we're all in the same boat. We are all sinners. The thing I love about the Presbyterian church, I'm a Presbyterian, some of you aren't. Uh, Most of you are kind of Calvinists, even though you don't know it. Um, You know, you believe the Bible, you like Jesus. This is Calvinist stuff, okay? But what I like about the Presbyterian church is we believe in the total depravity of human beings. I mean, we really believe that human beings are basically bad. And I figure any church that believes that we're all bad is basically a good church. Because we know we need salvation. We know we need Jesus Christ. We know that Christ's death on the cross saved us from those sins. And that we are bound and tied to Jesus Christ. And we are guaranteed a future, not only in this world, that's balanced with the gospel, a worthy life, a balanced life, a a life that has resources from outside ourselves, but also a life eternal with the one who created us. Um, The other day, uh, someone asked, uh, well, when did the church start? And that was kind of a popular question at Pentecost, when did the church start? And some people said, well, it started when Jesus was born. And someone else said, well, it started when he was on the cross, he died. And then maybe the church started at Pentecost. After all, that was the Holy Spirit comes. And actually, the truth is the, the church started at creation when Adam and Eve were created. And what did they do every day? They walked with God. That's the first church. And we know the church triumphant will go on into history and we'll still be singing these songs. And we'll still have actually work to do in heaven. The end of Revelation tells us that the saints get there. And guess what? It's not like a continued retirement. There will be work to do. I don't know what the work is, but I think it will be somewhat satisfying. It'll be like the career that you always wanted to have. And you'll have it there. So don't worry that you'll get to heaven and be bored. (laughs) Well, it is a worry. I mean, it's kind of cool here. On the, the problem with the current world is it's kind of nice, you know. Medica, medicine keeps us alive. You know, it's kind of a cool world. TV, video games. It's so much better than heaven. No, it is just a hint, as Paul would say through a glass darkly. We don't even know what glorious things await us in the church triumphant where we see Jesus face to face. Wow, that'll be a day. Okay, so we want to have balanced life. We want a life that's worthy, and our manner of life is worthy of the gospel. Worthy means we take the gospel as being true and we apply it to our lives, so our manner of life is connected to this true gospel because it's worth doing. It'll give us balance. And then we move on to... um, the next passage we're going to look at. Don't be intimidated by your opponents. Don't be afraid. Now, this is a word we're going to look at a bit because with Graham leaving, it's uh, one of the things we've experienced is uh, congregations, they're worried. They're a little afraid. How will we find someone like Graham? Well, you won't. Uh, well, we, I think in a year or two we could clone him. But then you'd have to train them and have to send that clone to a seminary. And, I mean, it's just a big investment. And there's no guarantee that it'll turn out well. Twins don't always turn out the same way as those who have twins. Uh, but it's easy to be fearful as a congregation. 
And so I want to kind of uh, wrestle with that as the main point here. This word fear in this passage in Paul is the word peturo, P-T-U-R-O. And it's only used once in the New Testament. And it is a word that is used to describe animals who are startled or who shy away. Any of you who've ever ridden a horse know one of the most adventurous things when you ride a horse is when you're riding along and it's lovely and all of a sudden the horse sees a butterfly and it gets scared and it moves like 20 feet laterally to the side and you know how a body in motion tends to stay in motion in the same direction and you're going this way and the horse is going this way and rider and horse do not become one they, and, and you discover the, the law of gravity the axiom of gravity it's bad you fall off your horse because a stupid horse shied well that's Peturo it's being startled and what Paul is saying is don't be startled be unflappable be unflappable there are in life things to be afraid of. There really are. Um, if you're walking along or riding along and you see a rattlesnake and the rattlesnake is kind of coiled and it's kind of shaking its rattle, that's something to be afraid of, don't you think? But it would be bad if you jumped to the side and went off a cliff. That would not make it better. What you need to do is be unflappable in those very, very real fear-inducing settings and not make things worse. Uh, that's actually one of the things they train first responders. When you respond to something, one of the first things you do as a first responder, this is your lesson for the day, just a reminder for all of those of you who went through a little uh, junior EMT training, and you can do uh, uh, breathing and chest compressions, what's the first thing you do? You look around and make sure you're not in danger. See, we can target to try and heal, but if, if, if buildings are still falling down or cars are coming your way, you want to make sure you want to control the environment, dial 911, and then help the person. So there's your tip for the day. If there's a fireman here and I got it wrong, um, tell me later and I won't repeat the same mistake in the second service. But you want to be unflappable. There's a lot to be afraid of, but you want to be unflappable. In the movie Man from Snowy River, there's a dramatic scene where a young man takes a horse and jumps off a cliff and then gallops down the cliff. Now, when they went to shoot that, uh, that shot, all of the people from PETA and Take Care of Horses and all of those folks were there in mass because you had all these horses. They didn't want any of them hurt. And so they had to find a horse that would not spook and shy at jumping off a cliff. Um, and it took a long time to find a horse, but not only a horse, but a horse and a rider who had such a close and symbiotic relationship that they could make that jump and make that scene. In the same way, we become unflappable when our relationship with Christ is balanced, it's symbiotic, it's real, it's vital. When we start the day with prayer, when we end the day thank, giving thanks to God, when our weekly storm of life is balanced by just an hour of worship, when we let God speak to us, we build an unflappable life. At the end of our passage, uh, regard others better than yourselves, is what Paul says. 
We want to be worthy of the gospel, live our civic life tied in with Jesus. We want that balance in our lives. We'll be unflappable when we are really tied into the one who is our savior, the one who cares for us, who watches over us. And at the end of our passage, uh, Paul talks about uh, regarding others better than ourselves. Uh, one of the challenges that can come in churches is uh, when people try to think, you know, what will our pastor be, and what, what will I do, and what can I do? And, and, uh, and then some will say, well, I want to manipulate this process because I want the person that I want, and I really don't care what everyone else wants. And you need to know that within our kind of Presbyterian system, we have structures that kind of prevent that. We do the best we can. We've been doing this for 237 years in the USA. We normally can get that right. So uh, one of the things we invite people to do is to be engaged in the process. If you have a, a favorite pastor from Poughkeepsie that you want to put their name in, you know, a little cover letter, you'll send it to the nominating committee, and then just pray. But what we, uh, one of the things we encourage people to do is just trust their leadership, and you have great leaders. And also put others in front of you if it doesn't go your way. And here's the end of our passage. Regut others better than yourselves. And that's a hard passage. Uh, does this mean that you have to kind of act like you're a worm and you're nothing and everyone else is better than you? It kind of sounds that way. Put, um, regard others better than yourselves. It goes against our whole um, having a good positive self-image. And, you know, I mean, what's your phone called? It's called an iPhone. And it used to be called MySpace. And, it, and, and I went by Starbucks, and it says, My Coffee. And everything is about us, us, me, me, my, my, I, I. And uh, do we have to, like, ignore that in order to put others uh, out, out, uh, out in front? Now, F.F. F. Bruce is very helpful with this translation, regard others better than yourselves. He says it's actually a New Testament uh, era slang. And it's slang for put someone in front of the line before you. And you know how that is. You, you put someone else in line before you. Imagine after church today, uh, you go to Albertsons or Ralph's, and um, uh, you're, you're on your way, and you just needed some batteries. And it's Father's Day, you're a guy. You're getting batteries. You got some cool, really awesome gift, but batteries not included. You're getting batteries. And you go to Albertsons, you go down there, didn't have time to go to the cheap place, but you went to Albertsons, it's nearby, you know, they have blister packs of batteries, four AAA batteries, $27, okay? So you go there, pick up your batteries. You got your batteries in your hand, and you're a guy. Okay, now comes a group of values clarification decisions. How are you going to check out? Okay. You go down the checking line, and there's four places open. And you think, I'm going to go to 10 items or less. But you know you never go to 10 items or less. It says, Don't, no checks accepted and only debit cards and stuff. Everyone's writing a check there. They can't figure out that it's a credit or de debit. They've forgotten their PIN number. The 10 items or less aisle is a loser every single time. <laughs> and so what you do is you go along and you, find, you try and find somebody that you can count on to be kind of caring. And you find a woman... She's got two children in the cart. She's got a card that's piled this high. And you, you come in behind her, because everyone else is avoiding her. They know it's going to be a really bad line. And you come behind her with your, with your packet of batteries. You kind of hold them out. 
and put kind of a little sympathetic kind of look on. And you know what she does? Even with all of her groceries and her kids and stuff, she looks at you and she says, is that all you have, honey? Well, come on in front of line. You can check out ahead of me. And, of course, you say, oh, thank you. (laughs) Now, here's a psychological test. Did the person who sent that person ahead of them in line feel good? Did they? Yeah, they did. And who, do you know who can't send someone in front of them in line? It's someone with a low self-image. It's someone who thinks the world is out to get them. It's someone who thinks that the world is not fair. It's someone who thinks that uh, no one ever listens to me, no one ever respects me, no one ever gives me any help, no one ever helps me out. And so they hang onto their cart and their children and they look at you with your batteries and kind of go, tough luck, sonny. Move in. And you know what God does while they're there? The children are putting magazines and candy (laughs) in the supermarket. To let someone else go in front of you in line, you have to feel good about yourself. And if you're connected to Jesus, or if you're living a worthy life, if you let Jesus fill you with such comfort and peace and confidence that you're unflappable, it's going to be easy at every point in your life to let someone else in front of you in line, to let someone else in front of you as you drive down the street, to let someone else in front of you in life and in the church because the grace of God will reign. One of the questions we ask these uh, two lovely people who stepped up to serve you is, uh, will you work towards peace and unity and purity? And those are works. Those are works to do. Not works righteousness. You're not saved by them, but they are... Uh, the great thing about Greek is work also has an energy. It's energy put into a system to make it strong and good and healthy. Well, that's probably about enough uh, for today. Um, I do have about 27 more points, uh, but there are uh, root beer floats outside, I heard, and so we have to end on time. So let's pray. Dear God, help us to not be like the prodigal son's elder son who got everything but never received it, never welcomed it. Lord, we are so alive because of your great love, and we thank you for your care and kindness to us in Jesus. So guide us as a congregation. Bless Katie and Richard and their work, the rest of their staff. God bless Caleb and his wonderful leadership up here, the confidence he brings to the congregation. Thank you so much for other skilled people working the sound booth and greeting. Thank you so much, first of all, for your son, Jesus, who reminds us to not stop believing, never stop believing, who is the way, the truth, the life for us. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de-churched people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.